great to be here today. And let me start by giving you a brief update on what I've been uh, doing over the last few months. If we haven't met before, my name is Stan Weens, and I led the staff here for 10 years. It was a joy to serve with such a great team. After resigning from my role this last summer, the first few months for me were all about processing and seeking God's direction for my future. I would love to tell you that every day was full of courage and confidence, and there are days uh, where I really experienced uh, anxiety and worry. Um, one of the things it does, it destroys the good work that God wants to do in us. This current series on anxiety and worry is timely, I'm sure, for many of us. With that in mind, I am keenly interested in researching, practicing, and discussing nutrition and exercise-related topics for over 20 years. Up until this point, it's been a hobby. Now it's my focus. It's called The Health Project, Helping People take control of their health. In November, Clyde, our senior pastor, attended a presentation I gave to pastors in Alberta about the spiritual discipline of health. He approached me afterward and said, this was a message that would be helpful for us here at Southview. Today, we are going to look at what God has to say about nutrition and exercise and the impact it has on our overall health, including anxiety, and stress. And I know, talking about health seems like when parents talk to their kids about the birds and the bees. Parents know it's important, but it can be a little awkward. Uh, so here's my encouragement to you. Just hang in there. Uh, you will leave here with next steps, and you will be encouraged. Sound good? Then let's go. So what does God's word say about uh, good nutrition and exercise? How can a healthier lifestyle directly and positively impact your life, including anxiety and stress? As we continue in this series, let's pray. Father, guide me as I open your word. May what we hear today bring you glory and cause us to think more deeply about how you created us and how we can glorify you even with our bodies. May today's thoughts touch and change us. And we pray this in the power of the living Christ. Amen. Very few things in life cause more anxiety and worry than our physical health. You or someone you know right now is sick, overweight, or struggling in some way. You may have a family member or friend uh, whose health causes you to worry. My father-in-law died early from a heart attack. My mom had breast cancer, but fortunately recovered. I have attended funerals over this past year. I have prayed with people, even some of you, who want to get well. When it comes to being well, the tears flow and our hearts break. We long for good health. You know, until recently, for most of human history, here we are, most of human history. Good health was how you survived. Even during the times of the patriarchs or the early church, eating real food and being active, well, it was the only way. I grew up in a Mennonite home, and I remember looking back at a real old family photo, like the big Mennonite family-style gathering, 
and everybody had something in common. The men had weird beards and suits, but besides that, they were fit and they were lean. They worked hard and it showed. They had gardens and ate what was available. Processed food-like products were very scarce. In the last few decades, two things have happened which have dramatically decreased our quality of life. Our North American affluence has led to the automation of almost everything, and therefore it is easier to be idle and inactive. Also, the food industry has created tens of thousands of packaged food-like products that impact our health negatively. And I know, I was a store manager at Safeway for 11 years, sold all that stuff. You bought it. So how do we summarize the challenge that we all face? I would say in these two words, refined food and being idle or inactive. If you turn in your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, I want to read that as our starting point for this talk. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. And friends, this is the word of God. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Our Western culture uses guilt, shame, fads, and pseudoscience combined with unrealistic and confusing messages to convince you of a few things, that you're not the right body type, you're not strong enough, and you're not healthy enough. As long as you hand over your credit card and let them help you, you will feel better magically in 30 days. It's so easy to get the wrong and confusing message. I mean, even James Wheeler, when he was young, uh, this was him. And um, all I can say is James has grown significantly since that shot was taken. And the pizza slices have gotten smaller. It's actually not James at all. The reality is good health is simple. More importantly, good health honors the one who made you. You don't pursue increased levels of health to trim down or feel better. As important as those are, those are secondary. We engage in the spiritual discipline of health because it honors our creator. Today I want to challenge us more deeply that our health is a response to our creator and not a response to advertising, waist size, trendy diets, gym memberships, supplements, and counting calories. God designed our bodies in such a way that in most cases, not all, we could be active into old age, our bodies could fight many diseases with a strong immune system, and unless tragedy strikes, enjoy a long and healthy life. Turning back to God's word, in Psalm 139, in Psalm 139, verse 14, it says this, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. If you feel like you have let yourself down regarding your health, or if you feel like you're miles away from experiencing even a small taste of great health and vitality, I want you to be encouraged. Good health is simple with consistent forward progress. A few months ago, I was running a race in the mountains of Idaho, absolutely stunning, beautiful 
uh, state. It was very remote, very challenging, and very long. I'd been running for a few hours, and I rolled over on my ankle. Not severely, just enough to swell up and cause me negative feedback each time I took a step. The problem is I had a very long ways to go still, and I didn't know if I could make it. But I did know that I could take one step, followed by another, followed by another, and eventually I did make it to the finish line. So for you, if you begin taking steps forward, one at a time, it will swiftly change how you feel, the clarity of your mind, and possibly even the longevity of your life. So where do we begin? First, understanding God's design is the foundation for your personal health. God created us right from the beginning. You want to go back to the Garden of Eden. God created us to eat real food and to be active. I believe our relationship with God suffers when we suffer, uh, separate our physical wellness from our spiritual life. The early Christians did this, and it had a name. It was called docetism, elevating the spiritual above the physical. And Paul challenged this as heretical. It diminishes God's creative gift to us. Our physical, mental, spiritual health are all deeply intertwined, and they all matter. And they were never meant to be separated. One impacts the other. How do we begin to move back to the way God created us to live and eat? What would be the solution? I got two simple concepts. You ready to get two simple concepts? Yes, one person's ready for two simple concepts. That's awesome. First, we move from refined food toward whole food. And not all at once, but in one small step at a time. You will experience improved health when we eat what God created us for eat, to eat and not what man created us for us to eat. Second, we move from being idle or sedentary towards being active. And this does not mean going to the gym or becoming a runner. Good news, right? Intentionally incorporating active movement as a normal part of your day will help you battle illness, anxiety, and stress. And if we look at Ephesians 5, I think there's going to be a little surprise in there because I have missed it for years and Ephesians 5, 28 and 29, the Apostle Paul inserts an almost undetectable comment at the end of the passage that most of us have missed. Let me read it for you. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. Actually, that's a sermon, isn't it? Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. And here it is. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. Are you feeding and caring for your body just as Christ loved the church? I love the honesty of Proverbs. It's an amazing book of the Bible. And kids, this is PG-13. Proverbs 23, 1 to 3. When you sit to dine with the ruler, note well what is before you and put a knife to your throat if you are given to gluttony. Do not crave his delicacies, for that food is deceptive. Such a gentle way of putting it, hey? 
If you compare what we typically eat today to what kings ate in the Old Testament, it would be safe to say that we are often eating like royalty many days out of the year. We have lost the valuable Christian discipline of self-denial. I have personally found that there is freedom in self-denial, that in discipline we can experience all kinds of new levels of freedom. In our culture, however, it seems normal to have whatever you want, whenever you want, and however much you want. A pastor from Ontario emailed me a few months ago, and he's trying to find out who that guy was behind the health project. He ended up calling me and said, I don't know who you are, but I need to reach out and tell you that I repent. I, got, I was not expecting that. I repent of not being obedient to God for my physical health. I have let my church down, and I'm a terrible example to my wife and family. I repent, and I am changing. And while I was reading your material, you put words to what I was feeling. The mature spiritual life grows in discipline, such as prayer, Bible reading, and serving. However, the mature follower of Christ does not stop there. We also grow mature by respecting and caring for our bodies as part of our spiritual discipline. Maybe it is time to acknowledge that you have ignored your health, and maybe it is time to repent. Our Bible teaches us to feed and care for our bodies, the very bodies that Christ and God created. I find it very interesting that our, uh, we focus on lifestyle choices like pornography, drug abuse, and alcohol addictions, which are harmful to our bodies. Yet, we ignore the simple physical health. Did you know that poor nutrition and exercise habits lead to more premature death than all other forms of death combined? And I think the more we embrace God's design as the starting point for health, uh, the more likely it is that we'll take intentional steps to grow in this way. So, to the very practical application part, how do we practically implement health into our lives starting today? And I would suggest by forming habits that last. The secret to simplicity in health lies in developing of good lifestyle habits one step at a time. Have you ever heard the saying, question, have you ever heard the saying, you are what you eat? A little bit, it's, there was a murmur. It's not true. Right now, you are what you ate, or more accurately, you are what you have been consistently eating over the last 10 years. That probably resonates a little better. If you've been eating a lot of junk food, fast food, packaged foods, and refined food-like products for years, well then, your body is basically built out of junk. It's clogged up, overloaded, and polluted with toxins. Our body like this has a difficult time fighting even the common cold. Your immune system may be compromised. When you replace refined food, however, with whole food, you begin to dramatically change your health. How many of you on Tuesday saw the new Canadian food guide? 22%. And how many of you actually read it? Bonus points, okay, 6%. It's a pretty bad attrition rate. But anyways, we, um, this guide is the first time, and thankfully so, that the food industry and lobbyists were not invited to the discussion before it came out. 
Uh, it's the first time that I feel I can support the food guide, which will positively impact school education, professional healthcare workers, and any of us who take a, uh, care to look at it closely. So a practical step for you could be as simple as going to the government website and reading uh, the, the food guide. It's actually profound. It's the biggest change it's ever seen ever since the induction of the food guide. Okay, back to habits at last. To make lasting change, you only need to pick one small step at a time and then keep moving forward. Quick fixes have little value. It takes much longer to build a strong foundation that can fight illness, viruses, and disease. So the great news is, if you are on medications or sick often, or if you're one of the major illnesses, in most cases, the body can protect itself and the body can heal itself. That's how God made us. If your habits and lifestyle choices created the problem, your habits and lifestyle choices can also heal the problem. However, I want to say it is worth saying that there are always exceptions to this general principle. This last year, I lost a friend to cancer. She was exceptionally healthy and died way too early. There are times when rare disease cannot be cured. Two years ago, while I was working with some of our staff on the spiritual discipline of health, something interesting happened. Watch this video. It was in April of 1997, I had my own personal awakening. It was at this point in time where I realized that I let myself slip both physically and in how I used to eat. And I took a step that very day, an incremental step, to just exercising more and eating better. Since that time over the last 20 years, I have learned a lot simply by experimenting on myself. Did you know that many forms of cancer, type 2 diabetes, heart and stroke, even depression and different common diseases or illnesses are somewhat preventable just with a good exercise and good eating strategy? So what is the Health Project? I wrote an email to our staff uh, last year and I'm just going to read it for you. Team, I am writing this to you out of deep conviction. I see many family, friends, and people in general struggling with poor health, not just physical health. When God created us complete and whole, he knit us together spiritually, mentally, and physically. One area impacts another. And so here's my challenge. I would like to propose an opportunity to take an intentional step towards greater health. I said yes to Stan's invitation because I wanted to get more serious about fitness and discipline, even spiritually as well, because I believe they're all connected. So a big difference is I feel like I was able to get a lot more done in the day because I made the workout regiment or rhythm a part of uh, my time at work. So at lunch, we work out together, we keep each other accountable, um, having it as a part of work. 
um, was really good because then I can get home and then I can just engage with my family and my kids instead of like saying, I gotta get up this early or I gotta go downstairs and work out my basement. I could just be home and be present and be engaged. My mom has had suffered several strokes this last couple of years, and she has suffered greatly for it. She's made some choices, I think, in her life that I've watched, and now that I look back, I realize that I could head down the same road if I, um, if I don't make some changes, so. And the other thing was, um, I suffer from migraines greatly. I just thought, there might be a chance that that would help. So that was another thing that motivated me. It's just made a great difference. I used to have headaches all the time and I'd have days without headaches. Now I don't have headaches at all. I wasn't gonna say yes at first. I've been in a really busy and stressful season of life for a while and I uh, just didn't have the time or energy or inclination to do it, but my cholesterol was an all-time high, and I knew I needed to do something about it, and the sooner the better. A little while into the um, journey, I had a debilitating setback with uh, chronic inner ear disease I've had for a number of years, and at that point I was told that I'd lost any measurable use permanently of my left ear balance and hearing and that I was also at risk of a stroke because of my high cholesterol and my stress level. And I just figured that what had happened to my parents and their family before them was my lot in life. But uh, I continued with those little baby steps. It's been a pretty amazing journey and I just had not, never expected the results that I've seen. Okay, so you might agree that a lot of these things are necessary in your life, but you might not know where to start. My encouragement to you really is just an invitation of taking a single step. Let's talk about the single step. Discipline is hard, habits are easy. Say that with me. Discipline is hard, habits are easy. Most of our lives are lived from ingrained habits, good or bad. The way you brush your teeth is the same every single time you do it. You don't have to think about it, you just do it. Washing your hair, zipping up your jacket, making the bed, accelerating your car when you see a yellow light. These all happen instinctively and easily. Uh, try this experiment with me tonight. Brush your teeth with your opposite hand. It is so awkward and difficult. Why? Because it's not a habit. Discipline is hard. Habits are easy. Even with bad habits, they too require very little thinking on our part. For me, I don't know how it happens, but a bag of chips opens when my feet go up and I start watching the game. I can grab a third, fourth, fifth cookie when two would have been just fine. These are areas that I am working on. But you see, my goal is not perfection. Here's my rule of thumb, if you care to write it down. Most of what I eat comes from whole food and then I don't eat out of guilt when I go to Java Blues. How many were there? Java Blues, it's awesome. 
When I go to a nice restaurant, I enjoy. 80% whole, 20% guilt-free. Effective change happens best when we take the slow and steady approach and build one habit at a time. Tackling five things and getting overwhelmed usually leaves us where we started. You will be stunned when you realize how far you can go on this journey by taking just one step at a time. Discipline is hard until it becomes a habit. For example, how many of you could change your morning routine by starting your day with a large glass of water? 100% participation here. How many of you could, could start your day with a large glass of water? Okay, at least it's exercise. There, no squats today, Sam, just an arm raise. That's all we get. It's not hard to do, but it's one healthy step. Water in the morning fires up your metabolism, hydrates you, helps your body flesh out toxins, gives your brain fuel, and will make you feel better. If you do this for 60 days in a row, it's going to give you huge biceps and a six-pack. <laughs> not really. If you do this for 60 days in a row, it will move from discipline, which is hard, to being a habit, which is easy. Here are four very quick steps to help implement habits. They are simple, powerful, and it will help and it will last your entire life. You might want to write these down. Step one, choose your habit and pick a start date. Incredibly profound, but that's what habits are. They're very simple. Choose a habit and pick a start date. So think of one good habit you could start doing or one bad habit you could stop doing. Make it simple. For example, I will eat one piece of fruit with my lunch, drink a bottle of water before noon, stop snacking two hours before bed, go to bed consistently at the same time, stop eating ice cream except on Friday. Simple and clear. Now put a start date beside it that is more than three days from today. It has been proven that delaying start uh, dates sends a, bra a brain message that says this is going to be important and builds anticipation. So write down a start date. Step number two, connect your new habit to something you already do. For example, if you want to eat an apple every morning, place it by the coffee maker the night before. Or if you want to do light exercise, select another activity like washing the dishes or brushing your teeth, and when you do one, you do the other. Make sense? Just connect it to something you're already doing. Here's what I do. One of my habits is daily exercise. It's not up for negotiation, and I link it to my cup of coffee. When I take the first sip, I commit at that moment to what I will do for activity the day, that day because my schedule often changes. Step number three. Plan ahead for habit-killing activities. The usual habit killers are weekends, parties, special occasions, or just about anything that throws a curveball at your habit. One strategy I use is to eat a healthy snack or meal before going to a, an event or celebration. When I get there, I don't have to make a scene or draw attention to my food choices. And you know who you are. I'm a vegan. I'm a ketogenic thing and all those kind of fad people. Not fat, fad, fad, F-A-D. I can simply be selective and I don't go in hungry and eat up half the buffet. Step number four, avoid perfection. 
Striving for perfection causes anxiety and stress, which is likely more unhealthy than your bad habit. We are not trying to become skinny or fitness freaks. We are realistic and we are taking the approach of one incremental step at a time. Why? Because it honors our creator. Wait until you've mastered one habit before adding on a new one. There it is, simple habit implementation. I've been experimenting with habits, nutrition, and exercise for many years. And here is something I know for fact. If you take it one step at a time and adopt habits, you'll be amazed at how healthy you can become in one single year. In five years, you'll have adopted and completely transformed dozens of habits, each contributing to your healthier lifestyle. Now, you may be thinking that this process seems really, really slow. But let me remind you, little changes that last are far better than big changes that don't. Approaching our health from God's design and forming habits that last will help us experience lasting change. Third, and in conclusion, build your support team. We often struggle to make progress when we journey by ourselves. Take a look at this poor fellow. Oh, it's Brett Ashton, our worship leader. <laughs> and Brett is stuck at the bottom of the Grand Canyon. Now look at how much fun he's having when, he's, when we finish the hike together. It's just simple. Ask a friend to journey with you. Seriously though, he wasn't stuck down there. He was dehydrated and stuff. You should ask Brett about this adventure he took. He began running less than a year ago, adopted a plan and came with a group of us that do an annual crossing of the Grand Canyon. And for him, this was an incredible accomplishment and it changed far more than just his physical ability and capacity. I believe the single greatest mistake we make is to try and do things in isolation. We put far too much confidence in our own abilities to be successful. As you saw in the video, we did this in a few small staff teams and it was fun and it promoted great team development. But let me close today by sharing with you one key motivation for me starting the health project. My dreams are simple, but I do have a dream. I dream of older people mentoring younger people. As we approach our 60s, 70s, and beyond, we have accumulated wisdom from God and many life experiences. We have earned the privilege, I believe, to share these insights with those coming behind us. However, from my observation, as we age, we often are unable to participate in those kinds of activities. And this happens for several reasons. We may lack the energy because of medications, we don't feel well or suffer from some chronic illness. I dream of grandparents who are able to participate in activities with their grandchildren and not merely spectate. Much of this will be linked to choices that you could start even today. And you know, as followers of Christ, we have the most compelling reason to move forward in good health. So may God guide you and bless you as you continue this journey one step at a time. Now, before we move to the communion table, let me make one quick announcement. If you're not sure where to start, 
or maybe want some nudge or help along the way, next Saturday, I would like to invite you to a workshop on how we consist, can consistently incorporate transformational habits into our life. You'll develop a written game plan and learn some principles of health that will help get you started with no hype, no guilt, or confusion. Bring a friend that will journey with you as you take control of your health. You can register for free online, and I hope to see you there. Let's pray. Father, as we now come to the communion table, will you feed and nourish us by your Holy Spirit? Amen.